Welcome to the Art of Money podcast with Art McPherson. And thanks for checking out the Art of Money podcast. My name is Mark Owens alongside Art McPherson and Luke McCarty. All the information for the McPherson Financial Group. You can find it at theartofmoneyradio.com. I know you don't have a crystal ball, but it really feels like things are kind of spiraling. And you've worked through volatile times like this before. So, Art, Luke, do you feel that the market and the economy, do you feel like it's going to get worse before it gets better? That's the crystal ball question. It feels like the economy is getting worse. Um, we have two of our indicators negative. We expect housing to probably go negative with you know mortgage rates now in the mid fives. So we think housing is going to slow a bit. One of the big kickers is going to be industrial production. But we're seeing things start to slow and we're seeing the stock market, you know, continually to kind of go down. But, um, you know, if we look back at the last several major events since 2008 and nine, the Fed has been there to bail us out. Well, the Fed's causing this on purpose to limit the supply of money and to reduce our spending. So we may be in it for a little bit longer until we start seeing inflation kind of peak and roll over. And one of the things that has been a big problem this year, too, Mark, is the safer side of the equation, which is typically bonds, mm -hmm. are almost down as much. You know, bonds kind of peaked at about 9.9, 10% there for last week. And it's just been a roller coaster on the bond markets, too. So there's really been no place to run unless you're in some non correlated type investments that we do in our models and our portfolios. But it has been a rough cycle for sure this first quarter. So I saw that the CPI came out for April and it was down two tenths of a point from eight five down to eight three. Now, you know, that's not enough to stop the planned interest rate hikes by the Fed. But like, I mean, is that good? I mean, two tenths of a point, like put that in layman terms for me. Does that mean things are on the trajectory to go down or is it just part of the roller coaster that is interest rates and inflation? Well, at the moment, it's too early to tell. Um, kind of most of our experts when we started this year talked about inflation reaching maybe an apex of about nine and a half percent. So we do expect it to peak. Um, however, um, it's a little too early to tell if it's peaked yet. But yeah, that would be a good sign. It's a whole lot better than eight and a half going to nine or 8.7 for sure. But um, at the moment, it's too early to tell. And as erratic as the market continues to be, uh, you know, Bitcoin and crypto stock seems to be plummeting. Six months ago, if you had $100 worth of crypto stock, it'd be now worth $50. So we've seen the highs and the lows, Art Luke, but is this an opportunity for crypto or are you still kind of a little bullish on it? There's <laughs> crypto. The crypto market is different. When crypto first came out and when people think of crypto, they think of it as a way to diversify their portfolio. Right. That is not happening. It's just leveraging your portfolio. So if the market's up, crypto's up more. If the market's down like it's currently, crypto's down a lot more. One of the recent news items that came out, I don't know how closely you follow crypto, Mark, or Art, but um, there's a thing called a stable coin. And there's other coins related to this where you almost have a savings account and it pays like 8 or 10%. Well, there's kind of red flashing, you know, lights. There's risk there, and it kind of went to zero. So there's this Luna stablecoin basically going to zero. And I've been telling clients that my personal opinion is about 90 to 95 percent of these coins are going to zero at some point, whereas you know 90 to 95 percent of stocks are not. So yeah. you have to be on the right side of each curve to make money on crypto. Yeah, crypto is a currency which is traditionally extremely volatile. 
um, but it's an unbacked currency. So, you know, you have no backing by the Fed. You have no backing by our government. It's not a legislative form of currency here. So, I mean, a lot of people like that. However, it is supply and demand, you know, that brings that value up or brings that value down. So when you have more people selling, the demand is selling right now and there's nothing to really stop it. Like Luke said, some of the less popular ones can zero out and go to zero real quickly. And then you have the bigger ones like the Bitcoins out there. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, where we fall, it could go a lot lower, you know, so it's just one of those things. That's why we don't really use Bitcoin, you know, because we think it's just too darn volatile for our clients. I got a buddy of mine who's been, we kind of call him a crypto bro because he's been all in from the beginning. And I'll give him credit. He's made some money from it. But recently I was like, so, man, how's your crypto doing? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to talk I about mean, it, six yeah. months ago, he would have talked to you. He would have given you a TED talk about how crypto is going to be the wave of the future. And now he's got nothing to say about it. So, and the, the, what, what was out in the Midwest, there was a McDonald's put a billboard up right in front of a cryptocurrency office building. And it just said, hey, crypto fans, we're hiring. I was like, well, that's, oh, just, yeah, that's just that, mean. Yeah, that is mean. <laughs> yeah, the creator of Ethereum was talking recently about this, you know, the stable coin going to zero. And he was saying how, well, you know, this, this should all be backed up by the FDIC and the average investor shouldn't lose any money from some of this. And it's like, wait a second, you're trying to get away from the FDIC. You're trying to get mm -hmm. away from the dollar. Mm -hmm. The FDIC and the government's not going to back this up or bail you out. It's a digital currency that you trade on your phone. I mean, it's, right. when you put it in those perspectives, it's like, what am I really doing? 321-425-8550. You know, President Biden's Build Back Better plan was effectively killed off by Congress in December. But now the White House is trying to rebrand it with a theme of, and as we've been talking about this weekend, the theme of fighting inflation. I want you to hear this clip from economist Brian Westbury. He tells Fox Business, call it what you want. But Uncle Sam, he's still going to be incredibly greedy. Government in the last 90 years has grown 10 times faster than the economy, 10 times faster than corporate profits. The greediest entity in the United States is the government. Even with all that government growth, if you listen to the politicians, we have worse problems than we've ever had in our history. Art McPherson, Luke McCarty, inflation is just another tax. How do we protect ourselves? in these volatile times? Well, I don't know how we get the government to stop their crazy growth because right now, even when the economy was growing 1%, 1.5% under Obama, Biden the first time, we were growing the size of our government 7.758% per year. And right now it grows at 8% per year. Why does our government grow at eight when the economy is growing at one? Even this year, government grows at the size of 8% and the economy is on track to growing at 3.8. Why in the world are we doing that? Because as it grows, it gets more expensive, obviously, and we're not going to have the money to pay for it. So I have heard no one on either side of the aisle, whether it's a Republican or a Democrat, talk about the size of the government being a problem. Every politician that ever brought it up in the past and they say, hey, instead of having the government grow at 8% this year, let's bring it down to where it only grows at 5% or maybe have it grow with the pace of our current growth, our GDP. They always call that a cut when they go from eight down to seven and a half or seven. They call that a cut in the budget. That's not a cut. You just hold it level if you want. You know, just have the same amount of money this year um, that you had last year or next year that you have this year. That's not a cut. You're just not increasing, you know, the spending. But 
nobody's done that. So that's, he brings up a very good point, something Luke and I talk about our clients with all the time. And that is why we feel that some of the rates we have today, tax rates are probably the lowest they're ever going to be because the government is extremely greedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a great clip. So Brian Westbury is the um, chief investment officer, or I think the the, the head economist, I should say, from First Trust. And um, he put this out a week ago on Twitter, right? So it's funny because, you know, Elon Musk and Twitter and all that going on. But I am on Twitter. So is Brian Westbury in that in that audio. And he says, um, in 1930, the federal government was 2.5% of GDP. Last year, it was 27%. So... Government spending is definitely going up and they're just getting bigger and bigger and it's it's too much. That's what's hurting us now. What's hurting us recently with inflation was a lot of the printing that happened. But over time, you just can't grow the government with all their guarantees. I mean, can you imagine guaranteed health care for life? And we don't have, you know, options of good health care mm-hmm. outside of large corporations. So there's a lot of issues going on there. And I think Brian's onto something in. We need somebody or something to slow that down. 321-425-8550. Take advantage of the complimentary income plan this weekend where Art or Luke are going to sit down with you and personally look at your plan, adjust it as needed, or build a plan. Again, 321-425-8550. And I know a conversation you may have uh, with a pre-retiree is about an annuity because a new study by the American Equity Institute asked if pre-retirees think they're going to have enough money to feel secure about retirement. 57% of adults said, I have no clue. So, Art, if their main concern is guaranteed lifetime income and protection, would that annuity be the right answer? It can be, but it can't be the only answer. Mm -hmm. So where annuities are strong is you have a guarantee of principal. Uh, Right now with current rates, you could get maybe a 2% rate, you know, or a two and a half, maybe three. Uh, A lot of times what Luke and I will do is we, instead of using a fixed rate because they're so low, we like to chase the higher yields than that. We will use indexed annuities where instead of taking that fixed low interest rate, we'll use that to buy options. And then we're able to get the S&P or the NASDAQ and things along those lines. But yet we're getting the average of what that normally does. And it's a whole lot higher than two or 3%. The negative with annuities, though, you know, you've got a time frame. The insurance company wants to hold that money and make money off of you. So it has to fit what you're trying to do. So they're great for income. They're great for disbursements. They're great for guarantees. You just have to be careful with them. Sometimes there's fees you have to watch in annuities. Um, and then, you know, just making sure the product fits your retirement goals. Yeah. Also, for the annuity standpoint, I mean, you haven't lost money this year, right? If you use an annuity as a bond alternative, which is how we use them, Right. Instead of owning bonds down nine or 10 percent, you're down zero percent. So it works really well during periods of high volatility. We can also take income from those annuities when times are bad, like right now. So if you have stocks or bonds, right, those are fluctuating. Those are probably down. Take income from the annuity that did not lose money. Let your stocks and bonds over time rebound and recover. So they work great in the portfolio as a, as a slice or a portion of the pie. But, you know, like Art was saying, you have to be careful. There's a time frame on them. You know, more often than not, the ones we see from a new client walking in the door. I mean, gosh, we've seen some are 12 or 15 years tying your money up. That is way too long. You never know if that product's still going to work in four or five years. So mm-hmm. you have to be careful. And that's what Art and I do is we, we look at everything in the industry because we're fiduciaries we can you know put our clients in anything we want to you know whatever's best for them but 
there's a lot of them we just scratch off the top right from the get-go and never look at them again. You know, I'm glad you said the word fiduciary. And this is the first time you've listened to The Art of Money. Thanks so much for listening. And you're going to hear that word a lot here. And Luke, just give me the quick definition. If it's your first time you're getting serious about your retirement and you hear that, that word thrown around a lot, what does fiduciary mean? The fiduciary means that we have a responsibility to do what is in your best interest. So if it is your best interest to own an annuity, you know, to help with the market volatility, we make that recommendation. If it's in your best interest not to own one, or if it's in your best interest to own or buy, you know, you name it type of investment, we make those recommendations based off of you, not the older way of doing things based off of us. Mm-hmm. If you want more information on the McPherson Financial Group, always online at artofmoneyradio.com. And after the pandemic, it felt like all of our meetings, even still to this day, are via Zoom. And the question is, do you have a love-hate relationship with those meetings? Time management author Donna McGeorge feels that the length of meetings, they should be a lot shorter. So if right now you're probably booking meetings for about 60 minutes. And by the time people come in late, are unprepared and they have to be rebriefed. And then some people have to leave early to get off to their next meeting, chances are you're only getting about 25 minutes of quality time in those meetings. So R. McPherson, Luke McCarty, some meetings are crucial, like when we first sit down with you. But how do you structure the follow-ups as well? We make sure that we have buffer time. So Luke and I have buffer time built in our calendars, and we always try to start on the minute for our clients. So when our clients come in and they have a one o'clock appointment, we want to make sure we're available at one o'clock. Sometimes Luke and I will run long in a meeting, but that's why we have the buffer time there so that it's not invading somebody else's meeting time. Because one of the things that we respect for our clients is if they're going to be on time, we want to make sure they get that full time. We don't want them only having 25 minutes of an hour meeting. We want to make sure they get the full time. Mm -hmm. So we're very, very careful about that. And we want to make sure that people are not sitting there waiting. The only time a client of ours will wait in a waiting room is they if they've come in early because they're waiting to get to their actual appointment time but we feel very strongly about making sure our clients don't have to wait or if someone's going to be running late maybe it's because they want to get a tour of your radio room because i know you have fashioned your radio room with all the autographed guitars and gold records. Yep, I'm looking at Kiss right now. Yep, and I'm looking over Luke's shoulder to Great White. Nice. And then we are looking at Aerosmith, and we're looking at Third Day, and we're looking at... Rock and Roll um, Hall of Fame. Jars of Clay, Florida. and then, I know. Then we're looking at ZZ Top, as, Michael uh, W. Smith, Boston. As yeah, Art gives cool us a stuff. virtual tour of the radio room. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Luke McCarty, let me ask you this. Okay, so we have that initial meeting. Things go well. We want to continue the conversation. How do you set up that second meeting? What do we do at the end of the first meeting to prepare for meeting number two? Usually at the end of the first meeting... I have a checklist of things that I'm going to do before our next meeting. Mm-hmm. You may have some items that you know you didn't bring to the first meeting or we don't have or need more information on. So at that time, you know, more often than not, both of us have a little homework. And then as we're leaving the office, we walk by Pam's desk and think of it like your dental office or your doctor's office and you just schedule your next meeting while you're here. And then, of course, the week of, Pam's going to call you and remind you. And, you know, during that time frame is when I'm going to be doing all the work on the back end or myself or Art, of course, but um, is doing the work on the back end to, you know, for the second appointment, really dive into the details of how you're currently invested, mm-hmm. 
what happens if you don't do anything differently? And then what happens if you get into one of our portfolios, one of our asset allocation models, get you some alternatives, some things that aren't subject to interest rate risk or market risk, and kind of show you how that plays out over time. Before we get out here this weekend, one of the biggest transactions you'll make is when we leave a job and we move our 401k from one workplace account to somewhere new. There was a new secure retirement survey that finds half of adults turn to a financial advisor to figure out the best way to do that. So do you recommend a DIY approach to moving to a 401k? It depends how good you are at the DIY version, right? If, if you're good about doing it yourself, mm-hmm. which, you know, I'd see when, when people walk into the office here, maybe, you know, five to 10% of them are good enough to do it on their own. They just don't want to anymore. So, you know, if you're confident in what you're doing and you are able to diversify enough within your 401k, you know, then it's okay to do the DIY. But, you know, what we see in 401ks is you have 20 different options, right? You may have, you know, one small cap fund, two international funds, a bunch of target date retirement funds, and you have 20 options. So, you know, one of the pros of rolling the money out of the 401k into an IRA is you get all sorts of options. You can buy individual stocks. You can buy individual bonds. I mean, you can pretty much do whatever you want in the IRA structure, and that's where you get the diversification. So for you DIYers, if it's working, Right. Do it till you don't want to do it anymore. But mm-hmm. for most of us, we need some sort of help. Yeah. Most of our clients, Mark, even some of our really, really smart rock and scientists, they can do Excel spreadsheets all day long. They know their industry extremely well. They don't know ours. So we are very heavily influenced at times from the media, you know, in a media on the market side, it's just giving you snap flap stories about what's going on right now. So everything is very negative. Everything is very pessimistic right now because there's no future guarantee of where we're going to turn or where the market's going to turn. Um, and, you know, so all your reporting and, and so forth is negative. So a lot of times people don't want to invest during that period, but that's actually the best time to invest. And a lot of times people want to stop contributing to their 401ks at that time. That's the best time to contribute to your 401k because you're getting that dollar cost averaging over time. But emotionally, it feels like you're just throwing good money after bad. You know, so I understand why people get confused. And all we're trying to do is just show them over time you're betting on the odds here seven eight years out of ten this is going to outperform anything else we can do so you're you're playing the numbers game for the long play you're not looking at from year to date or right now to march because when we get to the end of this year we might see bonds are actually only down one or two percent but right now bonds are down over nine percent when we get to the end of the year we might see the s p is up six seven eight nine percent luke and i talked about this several weeks ago go on the radio. But if you look at the average time you go through these economic periods, when the economy is doing well, and we go through some kind of conflict, the market typically is up 11% at the end of the year, you know, we're just not there yet. So we've got a small snapshot, small window of time, where it looks like everything is really negative. But by the time we get to the end of the year, it's going to be a different story. Thanks for listening. Want more from Art McPherson of McPherson Financial Group? Find us online at artofmoneyradio.com.
We are an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of financial and insurance products to custom suit their needs and objectives. Securities offered through World Equity Group, Inc., member FINRA and SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Investment advisory services offered through ProStatus Group, LLC. McPherson Financial Group and ProStatus Group, LLC are separate entities and are not owned or controlled by World Equity Group, Inc. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments can fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Investment financial professionals are not licensed in all 50 states. Art McPherson is not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency and does not provide legal or tax advice. Please consult with your attorney, accountant, and or tax advisor for advice concerning your particular circumstances. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through Arthur McPherson. Florida Insurance License Number A1 Today's show has been a work of art. 